This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Dennis Sumlin. He's a coach, educator, and podcaster. Thank you for joining me today. And thank you for having me on. Not a problem. So how have you gotten to the 2019 you? How have you, you know, became a coach and educator and podcaster? What what has that journey looked like? Well, um, well, first I'll say as far as being a coach, educator, and podcaster, I specialize in men's personal development, more specifically uh, a confidence coach. Um, so my products and services revolve around building core self-confidence in areas, in most areas of your life. And I also teach public speaking. But to your question of how did I get to this point of being a confidence coach and a teacher? Well, I would say it started from the very beginning. Um, I've always had an interest in teaching and educating the people. Um, Even when I was a kid, even back in school, I would teach, I would convince my teachers, like I did this one time in junior high, I convinced my math teacher to let me teach another one of her classes, which means I had to cut science class, which was okay with me. Uh, So basically teaching has been in my blood since the very beginning, uh, as far back as I can remember. Um, And along with that was the was the was the coaching because everything I figured out about myself I used to inform other people about when it came to themselves so it's sort of like everything I learned I passed that knowledge on to others and then others would come to me for you know emotional support or to seek advice and things like that in my earlier years um, I worked at different peer support lines like this thing called helpline basically you take calls from people who are looking for support or you get assigned a few people that are on a call list to get calls for support and someone to talk to. So basically this thing has been bubbling my whole life. Um, How I got into actually doing this for a business or as a career, um, it's kind of a lot of the things I was interested in kind of all came to a head. My teaching, my speaking, and my coaching all came to a head at some point when I got, when I reached a point in my life personally where I figured out that my life isn't going the way that I wanted it to go. I looked back on my life and looked at what can be improved and what could what can stay the same. So I embarked on a mission to find out more about myself, improve my own self-esteem, improve my own uh, sense of self-confidence. And so at a certain point, I decided that I needed to take a new career path from the one that I was previously on. And so I looked up a place where you can go to get a coaching certificate and the rest was history. Yeah. So all three of those are kind of tied. So how has one led to the other? Because obviously you got your start in one of them and then keep moving into the next and the next. So in terms of an educator, how has that helped in the transition to a coach and then a transition to a podcaster? Obviously you can be doing all three, but how is that kind of built on each other? Well, they're all, I mean, they're basically, they've all been there my whole life. All those things have been there my whole life. Um, So I originally started out as far as a career was concerned with the teaching part. Um, I became a teacher early 
and and I was doing that for a while. But at the same time, like I said, I was also doing the volunteer work with the peer support lines. And at the same time, I was doing uh, some exploration in the entertainment, whether speaking, I used to, you know, have different hobbies like pop music and things like that. So basically all these things are going on simultaneously, but I didn't yet put them all together yet. It was kind of like I was having three different tracks and they didn't necessarily intersect, um, which basically speaks to my life being a little scattered when I was younger because I was trying to figure out with all these things that I want to do and are able to do, how do I make all these things work for me at the same time? Because I, want, I have a passion for all these things. And so over time, after getting to know myself better, after I guess going through my own self-coaching experience, trying to deal with my own confidence issues and belief in myself and sharpening my skills when it, came to, when it comes to these things like teaching and speaking, and at some point when I decided to take a major change in my life, I decided to reinvent myself, in other words. And I changed from what I was doing, which was entertainment-based, being a talent recruiter and so forth. Um, and I decided to move further into these passions. Now, that's that's great. And I think I ask usually a follow-up question where it's, you know, name one thing that you had as a weakness that has turned into a strength. So it seems like you reinventing yourself and pivoting away from where you were and kind of rediscovering yourself would kind of be that. Well, actually, I wouldn't have picked that um, as a as a weakness of mine turning into a strength. I, um, I don't necessarily think having multiple interests is a weakness, actually. What I would say is people would perceive as a weakness that is a strength in my life because of a lot of different circumstances, such as me being disabled and things like that. Other people have thought that they've known what was best for me. Um, also going through the education system, you know, the K-12 system, they have a mold that they push all the kids through. Um, so they think they know what's best. And so in my life, I've seen that other people aren't really looking out for me. They're looking out for what they, what their agenda is for me and not really what I want. And so I decided to just kind of do my own thing and go my own way. So I did whatever I wanted to do. I went into whatever interest I wanted to get into. I didn't really let anyone deter me from things. I didn't let anyone tell me what to do. I didn't listen to anybody. I kind of just ignored everyone's guidance and so forth and did what I wanted to do because I always thought that people weren't really, you know, looking out for me. They were looking out for the agenda they felt they had to administer. And so if I was gonna make my life work, I had to make it work myself. And you know, that ain't, that basically is not listening to anyone, going your own way, following your own instincts, even if other people think it's crazy, even if other people have a problem with it, it doesn't really matter because it was my life and I knew, I knew what I was interested in and I knew in general the directions I wanted to lean in. And so I, that I would pick as my answer is you know, we always say, oh, you're so stubborn, you're so hard-headed, you're so rigid, and all these things. But that's they only call you that because they're not seeing what they want reflected in you. So I think that that's been an asset of mine, not to listen to others, to go with my own instincts and make my own way. It may, be, it may have been a longer road, but I think I would have been in a worse off place if I wasn't this uh, headstrong. Shall we say? 
No, I agree. And I think society and other people try to drive you to a, some kind of norm that doesn't necessarily align to an individual. So how do you think a person can kind of rediscover themselves or if they have pressure, like societal pressures or for friends and family, if they want to go out and do something that may not be the norm or may not be what people are telling them to do? Well, have have passions that you want to pursue and start pursuing them. Like you don't have to wait for an okay light. I didn't wait for any okay lights. You know, I started pursuing my interests. You know, when I was a little kid, I was drawing and stuff like that. And then I moved into doing my acting tapes where I made all the voices and created the skits. And then I went on to start doing little homemade pop music cassettes. So just start doing things, start creating things. You don't have to wait for anyone's permission. So if you know what you're interested in, even if you're not ready to begin a whole career with it. You know, it starts from the very first thing you do all the way up to when you're having a career in this, if that's what you want. So, and now we live in an age where you can start creating and have people recognize it right away. See, when I was growing up, you know, there was no internet for me to put things on. There was no social media, you know? I just did things and only the people, the people who saw it were the people who were right there. Now we have an amazing time to create our own projects and have other people across the world appreciate them. So as far as just going against, I guess, the norm to do your own thing, right now it's very easy to do. And also be open to feedback from others, but remember that first understand who's telling you what. In other words, consider the source of anyone giving you any feedback. Enough uh, number one. And number two, really when it comes down to it, you have the final say and make your own choices of the directions that you go in. But you can start right now. You don't have to wait for anyone or any clearing to occur. No, I agree. And I think back in the day, you had like five companies that would be the doorkeepers if you wanted to make it in something like radio or TV or music. Now, like you said, the uh, internet is a superior channel where anyone can be discovered and you can kind of make your own journey or destiny if you have the talent to do so and you kind of understand how to market yourself a little bit better. So in terms of your podcast, what type of guests do you have on and what can listeners expect from your podcast? Well, my podcast is just an extension of my of my uh, uh, confidence uh, coaching thing. And that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear the podcast talk about different ways of building that core confidence. So we address healthy relationships. We address dealing with anxiety and negative self-talk. And we also have guests on that talk about their own experiences moving through the building of core confidence. They talk about the challenges they've confronted, whether it be in relationships, whether it be in confidence, career, sexuality, any of the challenges that they faced as men and how they overcame that. And they also you know, give us tips on how many of us can overcome those things as well. And so my podcast is a space for men to share their journey to help others. It's also a space for men to learn how to build that core confidence, defeat their anxiety, and move forward with their with their goal. Now that's awesome. Can you give a few uh, recommendations if somebody is suffering from low confidence or anxiety? Are there any exercises they can do or where they can get started to kind of get some of that back? Well, absolutely. There's, I mean, of course, there's a whole bunch of different methods, but I can start with a couple. <laughs> so first, I would say. If you feel like you have low confidence, what helps me is figuring out why. It's not enough for me to know that I feel low confident. 
Like, I feel like I don't have any confidence in myself. I feel low self-esteem. I want to know where it comes from. Why do I feel that way? What's, what's going on there? You know, so take some time to figure out what is this all about? Why do you feel bad about yourself? Why do you feel like you can't do this, that, or the other? So first figure that one out. Um, and then what I would do is look for evidence to the contrary. So if I were to say, you know, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm unattractive. Okay, that's a thought of mine but is it really true? So look at my life to see, has that been reflected in my own reality that I'm unattractive? But it hasn't been, because I'm not unattractive. So challenge your own thoughts. When you have negative thoughts about yourself, challenge them. Are those thoughts true? Are those thoughts, are those thoughts helping you or hurting you? And so when you answer those questions, that can set you on the way uh, to relieve yourself of those thoughts. Challenge them, question them, Find out if they're really helping you or they're really hurting you. Um, also, I would say another key thing here is don't compare yourself to other people. You know, so we have a habit sometimes of looking at other people's outsides and thinking that they're so good, they're so much better than us. You know, they have a better body, they have a better girlfriend, they have more money, all these things. And we, can, and we go, well, I don't have that. Well, I'm not that good. Well, that person's lucky. How can, you know, I don't get lucky like that. So stop looking at other people and counting their blessings and turn your eyes back to yourself and count your own blessings. Because when you spend time um, in somebody else's garden, you're not attending to your own trees. <laughs> so stop comparing yourself to others would be another tip I have. No, I agree. And I, I always kind of stress to uh, be on your own journey and not look around. The more time you spend looking at others, the more time you take away from kind of building yourself and getting to where you need to be. So I think that's really important. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard because it's, you know, we naturally see other people. And now in the social media, we get to see everybody's surface status. Because remember, when someone posts something on a social media thing, you're just getting the information they want you to know whether it's a lie or not. And I just read something recently, speaking of this topic. Um, it was an article, I forgot what paper it was in because I read a lot of papers. Um, it's a service that if you send them a picture um, and you tell them what background you want, they will put your picture on a background. And so people have been doing this and pretending they've been going on these elaborate vacations when they're really sitting their ass at home. So I could send my picture to this service and say, yo, put me on the beach at Waikiki. And then they'll send me one back um, and I can post it up going, hey, I just came back from Waikiki. Meanwhile, I didn't. So what you see on, on social media is the information that somebody wants to give you. So be careful of what you see around you, whether it be on social media, whether it be on TV, even if your favorite athlete, wow, he can, you know, that guy's the man of LeBron James. You don't know what's going on behind those, those, those doors. So pay more attention to what you're going through because you have a fuller picture of you than you do from someone you see on TV or on social media. No, I agree. And I think social media, everybody highlights the uh, the good things about their life. Or like you say, there, there's a lot of people that stage all these photos or like different angles to be more favorable in Photoshop, like crazy. They're, they're pictures. So people look at other people's lives and it's so perfect. But like you said, you don't know what anyone's going through or what they have going on. So it's important also in social to show, you know, some authenticity in terms of a social media strategy, so. Well, I agree, like, I don't, you know, you know, it's one thing, I don't um, share, like, a whole lot of my personal life on social media. Um, 
what I share on social media has to do with inspiration and, you know, personal development and stuff. So I keep a lot of my personal life off of social media. But there are people who, you know, it's your page, your media outlet. You can post things if you want. But just remember that everything you see isn't always true or it's the partial truth. And you don't know what problems they're suffering from. So I just, you know, just caution yourself to not get sucked into wanting approval by people, wanting to be liked by people, um, comparing yourself to others. All these, all this power that we surrender to the to everyone else instead of keeping it for ourselves. No, I agree. I think it's important to be um, self-aware and have a emotional IQ. I think it helps on that. Uh confidence point as well and helps you to know who you are especially in the age of social media and the internet where a lot of the stuff you find is basically brushed up to give the best version of a person that may not necessarily be true absolutely and uh worry about you know think about being your best self what is your best self that's a question that you can ask as far as starting to figure out how to get a higher self-esteem or to make your life better Ask yourself that question. What what would the best you be like? Imagine the best version of you waking up in the morning. What would that day be like as the best version of you? And then when you think about that and absorb that answer, start living that. No, I agree. And I think a lot of the time you have like vision boards and things to look at. I think getting your mind to a place where it's positive and focusing on your goals and doing the things to materialize them, it makes them a lot more attainable. Vision boards are good. Affirmations are good. Now, I know in the self-help space, sometimes people kind of poo-poo affirmations, you know, because what do words mean? But words mean a lot, number one, because um, the words that we hear um, gets into our subconscious if we hear them long enough. And when you're picking affirmations, don't pick these kind of generic, you know, I am light, I am love. Like, those are okay, but when it comes to affirmations i would pick things that are that more pertain to you personally affirmations about who you are as an individual you know things that you do well things that you uh, want uh, things that you really feel things who you are things about who you really are and use those affirmations also keep a journal write things down get things out of your system you know we need an outlet for our negativity and our anxiety-based feelings. We need an outlet for those. So I would also, you know, have some sort of an outlet, whether it's a journal, whether it's someone you can trust to talk to about personal issues or both. So I have like a favorite quote that um, basically goes when things are going wrong. Mike Tyson, even though he's had a lot of issues in the past, I like when he says, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So if somebody's going through something or it feels like the world is imploding around them. What advice can you give them? Well, um, first of all, I would I would take some time to relax and do do some meditation. You know, believe it or not, meditation, even a five five minute meditation, because that is to center us. Because when, when, when we're under stress, when it feels like everyone's against us, or too many things are happening at one time, or like that it's important to center ourselves take five ten minutes to catch yourself uh meditate re reorientate yourself to your own center um, then, and then once you quiet down your mind and you know just sit still do some deep breathing 
once you kind of ease away from those feelings of anxiety and stress and uh, you know which way to go feeling, that's when maybe you writing a couple of these things out to kind of empty your mind a little bit would help. And then you can figure out where to go once your body and mind is more centered. So, so the first thing of course is step away from the anxiety feelings so you can think of the solutions to these challenges in a clearer fashion and then move forward with those kinds of decisions. No, I think that's uh, great advice. So in terms of being a coach or an educator, what do you think are some uh, good qualities to have that some people that may be pursuing the coaching field? I know over the past few years, coaching and life coaches and specific coaches for specific parts of your life have been kind of getting more popular. What do you think kind of makes a good coach or what you should have going into it? That's a good question. What makes a good coach? Well, a few things. One, being a good listener, because it's very important. Don't just hear something, listen to something. Because when you're working as a coach, you're there to help your client, you know, move to a different stage in their life. You're here, you're there to help move them and guide them. Not tell them what to do, but help them help guide them, you know, further along their own path. And so that requires you be there for them. And so being a good listener, being able to hold space for someone as they talk and move through their process, being able to listen to what they're saying beneath their words, listen to what's not being said, you know? So I would say being a good listener is one quality that's very, very, uh, very important. Uh, number two, be genuinely committed to the progress of your client, you know? Um, being a coach is not just something you do because, I don't know, you want to earn a quick buck or something because it just doesn't work that way, let me tell you. Um, it's not one of these quick, get rich, quick schemes or anything like that. Um, it, it's something, it's work that benefits all involved. So it's best when you have a sincere commitment to really want to help your client with the problem or challenge that they're experiencing. And so, you know, people who become coaches usually go into a niche that they're passionate about. So if you're passionate about helping someone balance their finances, if that's a real passion of yours, then you're going to be committed to want to see your, your clients thrive in that area. You know, I'm passionate about uh, men developing that core confidence to make them the leaders in their own life. And so, you know, I'm, I'm there to help people through that process. So those are the two things I would say, being a good listener and being dedicated to your client's personal development. No, I definitely agree. I think there's a lot of coaches that do it for the wrong reason. I've been contacted by people that have life coach in their Instagram profile that they're like 17 or 18 years old that just kind of want to make the money when, you know, I'm about to be 35. So like the amount of life experiences that I've had may not necessarily obviously be exposed to a 17 year old or they can help me on the level that I need the help with if I actually do need a coach. Yes, that's well, it, yeah, you know, what's funny about it because I have a coaching certification. So, you know, um, you know, back then when I was in coaching school, I mean, theoretically, someone can coach you without having your experience or having the experience in your field, technically, because coaching, coaching, you're not giving someone the answers. 
you're helping them find their own answers in, in essence. So in a broad sense, someone could ask you the right questions to help you move along. But I do think it's much more effective to have experience in the areas that you're coaching in. So you have a relationship that have, have a really good relationship and can identify with your client. And I'm, if you're 17 years old and you're trying to be a coach, I mean, that's okay. I would think that you're coaching in areas that you're well-versed in. So I don't know what that would be at 17, um, but certainly it's not a quick get rich quick scheme. It's far from that. No, I agree. And I think it's to each person, like you said, that person may guide you along the way. But if I was to hire a coach, I would want someone that, you know, can connect with me on a level that, you know, understands me and some of the things that I'm going through, not necessarily go through the same, you know, trials or, you know, things that have happened in my life, but they've actually like lived their life in a way. I guess if you're 17, you know, you're in, you're in high school, possibly college. Maybe you're looking to coach other teens. There are plenty of teen coaches out there. There are plenty of coaches who coach teens. So maybe if you're 17, 18, 19 years old and you've had the high school experience or you've had the college experience and you want to help other uh, students go through that process, you know, like SATs and college entry exams. And if you've been through that and you're 18, 19, why not? No, I agree. I think finding your niche, like you said, is really important. Absolutely. So what's one thing you can leave with the audience, professional or personal advice? Well, I would say everything that you do, make sure you're getting closer to your goals, whatever that might be. And so um, there's only two things in life um, that we, that all, that pretty much all of our feelings come under. It's either derived from love or derived from fear. And so to, you get to your goals by doing things and making sure you maintain feelings that derive from love, such as, you know, gratitude, admiration, you know, respect, loyalty, you know, positive thinking, self-care, self-love, all of these different things um, to help you reach your goals and all, minimize things that boil down to fear, such as anxiety, negative self-talk, hatred, um, depression, um, all those things boil down to fear. And so there's there's the access. So in everything you do, make sure that your actions are bringing you further towards your goals. No, I agree. Um, obviously, you can be do doing a lot of stuff that kind of um, gets you off your path. But I also think whatever you do, either you, you, know, you fail, you succeed, something happens to you, as long as you use it and harness it as a learning experience or something that you can you know, take and become better, then uh, you're getting something out of it. And, and just remember, there's an old song, this goes back 20 something years by an artist, Alanis Morissette. I don't know how many people would know that. Yeah, so it's a long time ago, like maybe 23 years ago. She had a song called, You Learn. And so basically a couple of the few lines is, you know, you live, you learn, you love, you learn, you laugh, you learn, you lose, you learn. So it just goes on and on like that. And that's basically what it is. You're, you're a teacher and a student at the same time. So whenever, when you live, you learn, if you know, you be open to it. When you love, you learn from that. When you lose, you learn from that. So just be always open to learning through everything that you go through. No, I definitely agree. And obviously, if you're open to learning, you're, you're open to, to grow. If you're going to be close-minded in that sense, you're never going to kind of grow and become a better version of you because I think that's important in the end goal. 
Absolutely. We all want to, why, why wouldn't we want to be the better versions of ourselves? There's no reason why we can't be, you know, we, we can, we have the ability to go, you know, uh, span the spectrum from, you know, our least best to our most best. Why would we, why would we want to consciously be our least best? No, I agree. So it was great. I really appreciate your time and coming on today. Let the listeners know how they can find you. Well, to find me, to get more information about building core self-confidence and leaning more towards things derived from love versus fear. And to hear the podcast, it's coreconfidencelife.com. That's coreconfidencelife.com. Awesome. Thank you for coming on again. No problem. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.